The Bible reading tonight is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to the end of chapter 3. And that is on 959 of the Red Bibles. As for us, brothers and sisters, when, for a short time, we were made orphans by being separated from you, in person, not in heart, we longed with great eagerness to see you face to face. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, wanted to again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Yes, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we decided to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker for God in proclaiming the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you for the sake of your faith, so that no one should be shaken by these persecutions. Indeed, you yourselves know that this is what we are destined for, in fact, when we were with you, we told you beforehand that we were to suffer persecution. So it turned out, as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that somehow the tempter had tempted you and that our labour had been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. He has told us also that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, during all our distress and persecution, and we have been encouraged about your faith. For we now live, if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God in enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see your face, we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may God, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all just as we abound in love for you. And may he also strengthen your hearts in holiness, that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Good evening. If you haven't uh, met before, Richard's my name. I'm the assistant minister here, and it's my pleasure to uh, open up this passage from 1 Thessalonians for us tonight. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, we're continuing in our series in this letter that Paul wrote to a church that's probably just a couple of months old, actually. Uh, and so, as you might remember, we've called our series How to Be a Christian. These are some basic things about what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. And tonight we come to think about how it is that Christians feel for one another. Uh, so as we uh, get into God's word this evening, uh, would you join me uh, and we'll uh, pray that he would be at work in us uh, as we dig into his text tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you have uh, inspired by your spirit uh, writers, including Paul, throughout the ages uh, to put down uh, on paper uh, for us, uh, your people, to have uh, your truth, uh, your good news for us, 
uh, that you've taught us uh, in the scriptures about the Lord Jesus and his death and resurrection for us. Father, we pray that as we dig into this text tonight that you'd be at work in our hearts, that your spirit would make these things true to us so that we might become people who follow Jesus more and more faithfully. And we pray this in his name and for your glory. Amen. Uh, well, the social researchers tell us that uh, loneliness has reached epidemic proportions in Australian communities. Uh, here are some stats from some studies over the last couple of years into the state of our loneliness. Uh, a survey by Lifeline found that 60% uh, of Australians say that they often feel lonely, uh, while 82% feel that loneliness is increasing in our society. I think we have the stats on a slide, actually, on the next one. Excellent. So you can see, maybe... There we go. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, so you can see what I'm talking about. 60% uh, of Australians say that they often feel lonely. 82% uh, feel that loneliness is increasing in our society. Uh, only half of the respondents to this survey said that they had someone they felt they could confide in. 77% uh, of people who live alone say that they often felt lonely, uh, while 44% of people in coupled relationships also said that they often felt lonely. Uh, according to another survey by uh, the organisation Are You OK, uh, increased loneliness seems to be connected to our increased interactions with technology. They found that uh, Australians spend on average uh, 46 hours uh, a week looking at their TVs and other digital devices, compared to six hours engaging with family and friends. Uh, that same survey found that Australians want to spend more quality time with family and friends, uh, but cited things like distance and tiredness, busyness, long work hours as obstacles to having deeper quality relationships with each other. Uh, one leading researcher into loneliness has uh, shown now that loneliness is as significant a health risk as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, and actually the risks associated with loneliness for your health exceed the risks associated with inactivity and obesity. Loneliness is uh, an epidemic in our society. And what it just goes to show and highlight is something that we all know, really, that human beings long for connection. Uh, everyone knows that. We all know that. In fact, it's just part of how God has made us as human beings. We were made for connection with God and with one another. We need connection with others to sustain us, to help us through the life that God has given us. We long to know others and to be known, to have people who know us and love us, even though they really do know us, warts and all. People who stand alongside us, who share with us in our joys and comfort us in our sorrows. We long to have friends who can remind us of who we are and which way is up when things get out of whack for us. But despite the longings that we have for deep relational connections, we often find ourselves holding others at arm's length. Uh, we find ourselves shrinking back from the kind of vulnerability and investment in deep relationships that they require. We long for connection, but at least according to the statistics, we frequently fail to find it. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but uh, if I have a problem, I go straight to uh, lifehack.org. Uh, it's a, it's, that's a, I don't do that. Don't worry. I'm not going there for all of my life problems. But surprisingly, our friends at lifehack.org actually have tackled this problem of how to make friends, and believe it or not, they have some kind of actually insightful things to say about why it is that we might find our longings for connection so often thwarted. Uh, here are some of the reasons that they think it's hard to make friends. Uh, it might be that you're afraid to reveal who you are, uh, that you have uh, issues around vulnerability, that actually opening up to others is something that you find difficult, and so those kinds of deep connections are hard to come by. 
Uh, It might be that you've learned that friends can be disappointing, that you have past hurts in your life, that you've been burned in relationships, and that makes it harder to go and seek out those connections. Uh, Then there's the what if they don't like me factor, Uh, The fear of rejection, the fear that you might reach out for a connection with someone and they might not return that connection to you. Uh, It might be that you think that everyone else is already in a closed group of friends, that people have uh, their own little groups with their own little little interests and if if you don't really fit those interests, those kinds of activities, then that's not uh, a set of friends for you. Our differences can make it hard for us to connect with one another. There are all kinds of ways in which we might actually uh, fail to find connection, that we might hold back from seeking deep connections with each other. And I'm confident that belonging to Jesus and being part of his people actually makes a significant difference to that. I'd be surprised, actually, if those statistics are not just a little bit better on average for Christians than they are for most people. Nevertheless, this is still an issue for us as followers of Jesus as well. Uh, Here's what uh, one Christian counsellor, Paul Tripp, has to say about his experience of uh, counselling Christians and what that's shown him about the nature of our deep connections. He says, we live in interwoven networks of terminally casual relationships. We live with the delusion that we know one another, but we really don't. We call our easygoing, self-protective and often theologically platitudinous uh, conversations fellowship, but they seldom ever reach the threshold of true fellowship. We know cold demographic details about one another, married or single, type of job, number of kids, general location of housing, etc. But we know little about the struggle of faith that is waged every day uh, behind well-maintained personal boundaries. Uh, One of the things that still shocks me in counselling, even after all these years, is how little I often know about people I have counted as true friends. I can't tell you how many times in talking with friends who have come to me for help that I've been hit with details of difficulty and struggle far beyond anything I would have predicted. Privatism is not just practiced by the lonely unbeliever, it is rampant in the church as well. Uh, Along similar lines, uh, the CEO of uh, Lifeline, uh, in response to those uh, survey results we saw before, had some things to say about the kinds of connections that we need to cultivate. Uh, He says that relationships, frankly, are inconvenient. Uh, Society values convenience so much that we actually seek to make uh, things so convenient that they actively seek to avoid human relationships. Uh, We need, he says, to have the stickiness, the gooiness, the conflict that comes with engaging in actual human relationships. Uh, There's three pretty great words there, don't you think? Stickiness, gooiness, conflict. Uh, And those three words there actually provide a pretty decent description of the deep connection that we see between Paul and the Thessalonian Christians. And the deep connection that they share is the same kind of deep connection that should characterise us as followers of Jesus as well, as his family, as sisters and brothers in the Lord together. Uh, Notice what Paul writes uh, in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. You see, the love that should characterise a community centred on Jesus, a community like ours, is a love that results in that longing for deep connection with one another, a deep connection grounded in our shared connection to Jesus. And so as we unpack this passage, we're going to look at two kind of marks of Christian community, two things that characterise the community of God's people. Firstly, a longing for one another, and secondly, a longing for Jesus. 
Uh, and there's kind of ways in which they actually fit with those great words from the CEO of Lifeline, actually, stickiness and gooiness on the one hand, and conflict, which we'll come to see, related to our longing for Jesus. Of course, all those things are hard, and so we're also going to see where it is that we can go to find the courage to pursue those longings, to overcome all those fears that we have that hold us back from throwing ourselves into deep connections with others. So let's have a bit of a think and a look through those uh, passages. We're going to start by thinking about our longing for connection with one another. Uh, Now, if you want an example of uh, gooiness, of really kind of like thickly emotional relationship, then you need to really look no further than the Apostle Paul. Uh, We saw last week how he expresses an almost embarrassingly enthusiastic affection for the Thessalonians, and he carries on in a similar vein in the passage we've had read tonight. Uh, Have a look at the text with me, and let me just point out to you, uh, to make sure you don't miss it, just how outrageous his love language for the Thessalonians gets. Uh, He starts in chapter 2, verse 17, and says, We were made orphans when we were separated from you. Uh, Being separated from the Thessalonians, Paul says, was like having his own children taken from him or losing his own parents. Uh, Some of you know what that's like. Some of you have lost parents. Some of you have lost family members or close friends. You know that feeling, actually, of the separation that you can't overcome, the feeling in your heart and in your guts. Paul says that's what he felt like when he was separated from these new Christians who he'd, he'd only met in the last few months. He was made an orphan by being separated from them. What an outrageous thing to say, really, in some sense. That it's as though I'd been torn apart from my own family, that I'd been separated from you. He goes on and says, We longed with great eagerness to see you face to face. That word there, uh, eagerness, is uh, kind of a rather tame translation, actually. Uh, Paul uses a a Greek word there that you'll have heard in sermons here at St. John's from time to time, uh, the Greek word epithymia. Uh, It means desire, and in the New Testament, it's linked to the way that uh, that we talk about sin. Uh, Sin is about the desires of our hearts gone wrong, when we get our desires out of order, when we desire the wrong things or even desire the right things in the wrong proportion. Uh, That's where this word epithumia comes up. And every other time that Paul uses that word, it's negative. It's about desires gone wrong. But here, it's positive. He says, we longed with great desire for you. And to really understand the kind of strength of what he's saying here, uh, it's worth uh, recognising that this word often gets translated in our English Bibles as lust. Paul says, we longed with great lust to see you face to face. We lusted after face to face connection with you. If anything, his language gets even more extreme as he goes on in the next few verses. Uh, He says, verses 19 and 20, you are our boast. You are our glory and joy. And when Jesus returns and says to Paul, well, what have you got to say for yourself? What have you got to show for your life? Paul says his response is going to be, these guys, actually. This is what I've got to show you, Jesus. These guys are my glory and joy. These guys are what it's all been about. They're my crowning achievement. My whole heart and soul has been poured into these people. Maybe most astonishingly of all, uh, in chapter 3, verse 8, Uh, Paul hears Timothy's report that his friends in Thessalonica are doing well, and he says, we now live. He's heard Timothy's report that his friends are standing firm in their connection to Jesus despite fierce opposition, and he says, now I'm really alive. 
Uh, the flip side of that, of course, is that, is that Paul is saying when he was separated from them, when he didn't know how they were doing, when his connection with them was severed, it was as though he had died. He was as good as dead when his connection with them was damaged. What an incredible thing to say, to be cut off from connection with you is like death to me. This is pretty extreme language. If you're going to talk about gooiness, if you're going to talk about stickiness in relationship, this is probably a pretty good example. Uh, So what is it that's going on here for Paul and the Thessalonians? Uh, Here's what the stickiness of their deep connection is all about. What Paul is saying to them is this. He's saying, my joy is inextricably linked with your joy. My heart is bound up with your heart. My experience of the ebbs and flows of life ebbs and flows with your experience of life. I'm stuck to you such that my emotional and and spiritual well-being is somehow connected to your emotional and spiritual well-being, that I travel through all the ups and downs of life with you. Now, you probably know something of this experience, actually. You know what it is to feel pain because someone that you love is in pain. You know how it feels when your own joy and happiness is just that little bit less rich because someone close to you is suffering through something hard. And on the other hand, you know the joy of hearing that a friend or a family member has come out the other end of some kind of sadness or suffering. You know the joy that comes from being restored, actually, to a full and healthy happiness in life. You see, that's the kind of connection that we see here should characterise the followers of Jesus. That's the kind of deep connection, the kind of connection that we long for, that our culture longs for, the kind of connection that should be uh, what our connections with each other are like. Here's a little thought experiment uh, to see if you can uh, work out actually what this might look like. Uh, Picture the day of the Lord's return. Got it? Jesus returned uh, from his place at the Father's right hand. He's coming back to earth to bring heaven to earth, uh, to bring about that great day that we long for and hope for as his people, to judge the world and finally bring an end to evil and sin and death forever, to give us new bodies that never break down, to wipe away every tear. Uh, Jesus is returning to us. And we start to gather with all of God's people around the world together to welcome our Lord uh, back into his kingdom. And so you're kind of walking around and you go, all right, where's the CCIW banner? Where's the St. John's banner so I can gather with all of of my people? And so you go, okay, over there, that's the CCIW banner. That's the St. John's people over there. You wander over, you find all the rest of us. We gather there together and we kind of wait to welcome Jesus uh, back into uh, his kingdom. Andrew, can you make a note, actually? We should get a banner and have it ready for the day of the Lord. That'd be really good. Excellent. So you find the CCW banner, you find all of us, and you come and gather together uh, as we uh, see the Lord Jesus on this great day come to be with us again, to gather all his people and to live with us forever. Uh, We'll all gather there together. Maybe we'll try and find the Thessalonians. Actually, they're a pretty great bunch. See if we can find those guys and hang out with them a little bit as well. And as we stand there before the glory of our risen Lord, we'll say to him, look at this crew. Look at these people standing here with me. These people are my joy. These people are my glory. The work that you've done in them is what matters to me. If there's anything that makes me great, if there's anything that's made my life worthwhile, it's by being my connection to these sisters and brothers as together we've wrestled through all the ups and downs of life and seen your work in us. These people who've endured my pain and suffering and shared my joys and triumphs, this is my joy. I wonder if that's how you feel about people here, actually. I wonder if that's uh, how you long for connection with one another. 
uh, to actually feel as though we together are one another's glory and joy. That we share together in the Lord Jesus in such a way that all of our ups and downs are ups and downs for all of us. That we're stuck to each other as we seek to live for the Lord Jesus in his world. And so how can we cultivate feelings like that for one another? How can we reach for that kind of stickiness and gooiness for one another? Uh, Well, here are a couple of uh, tips drawn from the connection we see between Paul and the Thessalonians here. Some tips for uh, connecting well. Uh, Connection tip number one, uh, express affection. Uh, I reckon a lot of the time we actually do have real love, real deep affection, deep connection with one another, but we kind of suck at showing it. Uh, We're not a culture that does over-the-top expressions of emotion very well. We're not as bad on the one hand as the kind of stiff upper lip British. On the other hand, we're not as kind of like, you know, out there with, his, with our emotions as our American friends are. We're somewhere in the middle. And I think one of the barriers to deep connection for us is that uh, we long for it ourselves, but sometimes we kind of worry that maybe others aren't up for it in the same way that we are. Uh, the truth, of course, is that everyone is longing for deep connection. Everyone wants to deepen their connections with each other in all kinds of ways. Uh, but if we never actually kind of express that to each other, it makes it kind of hard to really believe that others are on for that as well. Uh, What difference might it make if we actually expressed our affection more for one another? Uh, Paul and the Thessalonians are really quick to express the depth of their love for one another, of their longing to see one another. And it'd be great, I think, for our connections with each other if we cultivated a a culture and cultivated the habit of actually expressing our affection to one another as well. That's tip number one. Connection tip number two, uh, make face time. Twice in this passage, uh, Paul says that what it is that he longs for is to see the Thessalonians face to face. Uh, Even a letter doesn't quite do it for Paul. He's really excited to have Timothy back. He's really excited to write another letter to them. But what he wants to be able to do is to look the Thessalonians in the eyes and shake their hands and kiss them and embrace them. Uh, In that way, actually, a letter in the first century isn't really all that different from uh, the social media and communications technologies that we have today. Uh, It goes some way toward overcoming separation, uh, of connecting across a gap in time and space, but it doesn't really get us all the way there. Uh, Because you see, the thing is that God gave you a body. Uh, You're not just kind of a bunch of emotions. You actually have limbs and a head and a torso, and you, you are a physical being. You can't be yourself without your body. It's just part of who you are, and that's the way that God's made it. And because God gave you a body... You can never be fully present with someone unless you're physically there with them. Uh, This is part of why your uh, fellowship groups during the week and why our Sunday gatherings here are so important, actually. We get to actually be properly and fully with one another in the same space, physically relating to one another. Uh, Another way to put it, perhaps, is um, that this is why hugs are so good. How good are hugs? Hugs are great. There should be more hugging in church, I reckon. Uh, I've been trying to convince uh, the, uh, the high school boys, particularly, of this at the attic. That, Guys, you know what? You, really, you all really love each other. You all really care for each other. Just hug each other. It's fine. Most of them go to all boys' schools, and hugging each other is really, no, no, you're not allowed to do that. But we're physical beings, right? We have bodies, and that's part of how we express our relationship together. More hugs. That's really kind of tip two, more hugs. Uh, you see, there's no substitute for being fully with each other face-to-face. And if you want to cultivate the kind of deep connections that characterise followers of Jesus, uh, the kind of deep connections that we long for, then you need to be face-to-face with others, actually. Uh, And in our culture and context, of course, uh, the thing that's going to stand in the way of that is our busyness, uh, is how much time we're spending on other things. 
And so in order to do this, actually, we're just going to need to make time to be fully present to one another, to prioritise those moments where we get to be in the same space and actually look into one another's eyes and be present with each other in that way. Uh, incidentally, the uh, fact that we have uh, bodies and that our bodies are part of how we connect to and relate with one another is part of why uh, when Paul goes on to give us some more practical instruction in how to be a community together in the passage we'll look at next week, uh, that whole thing of having bodies and connecting that way is part of why he's going to talk so much about sex, actually. So get excited, get to talk about sex next week. It's amazing how well the high schools have paid attention when we've talked about sex at the attic this week. And I expect to see more of the same from you guys next week as well. So there you go, something to get you excited for next week. Now, at this point, with all of this kind of uh, sticky, gooey connection we're seeing from Paul and the Thessalonians, you might wonder, isn't this actually just all a little bit dangerous? Uh, are these guys perhaps actually a little bit too connected? Is there some kind of unhealthy codependency going on here? Uh, there's certainly a lot of deep connection. Uh, but what we see as we go on through this passage, actually, is that there's also a kind of conflict that goes on with them. And that's what actually brings their deep connection into a much healthier balance. Uh, so we're going to have a bit of a think about their longing for connection with Jesus and how that relates to conflict in their relationship. So Paul's been telling the Thessalonians how much he longs to see them, and he recounts the story of how finally, when he could bear it no longer, he reached out to re-establish his connection with them by sending Timothy. Uh, and what's important to notice is the specific thing that it is that Paul wants to know about the Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 3, verse 5, he sends Timothy to them to find out about their faith. You see, what lies at the heart of his connection to the Thessalonians, what constitutes his joy and glory in them, what he longs for, isn't simply his own connection with them, but their connection with Jesus. Uh, we now live, he says, if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. Uh, you see, what we see here is that what marks longing for deep connection as Jesus-shaped longing for deep connection is that you long not only for the joy of knowing one another, but also for the joy of seeing one another know Jesus. Uh, Jesus-shaped longing for connection with one another is a longing to see one another connected to him more and more, and to see our connections with each other play a part in cultivating that kind of connection with Jesus. So it's worth asking, actually, do you, do you long for others in this way? Do you long to see your sisters and brothers grow deeper in their connection with Jesus? Uh, many of you, most of you, all of you do, I know, and you know the joy, actually, of seeing brothers and sisters uh, have those moments where they grow deeper in their connection with Jesus where you see someone actually change something about the way that they relate to others because they've been convinced that that's what Jesus would have them do, where you have those moments of seeing someone uh, have deeper insight into their own hearts, where you see people who've had some kind of conflict with each other actually forgive one another as Jesus asks them to forgive. There's a mutual encouragement that comes through that longing to see others connect with Jesus as well. And there are, I think, two differences that this kind of Jesus-shaped longing will make to your connection with others. Uh, firstly, you'll see what it is that you really have in common with your sisters and brothers. Uh, one thing we can find hard about connecting with each other relationally is that feeling that we don't have much in common, that people have different interests to us, that people have different activities they enjoy, that people have different opinions on all kinds of things. And so actually when you find someone who shares a particular opinion or joy or experience, uh, that can spark a particular kind of friendship that you might not have with everyone. That's fine. 
even in our Christian community, there'll be different people who you connect with in different ways and at different levels. That's fine. That's a good thing. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about those moments, actually, uh, of connection with each other as moments where you think to yourself, oh, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one who loved bird watching. But no, Dan Levitt loves it too. It's great. You have those moments of going, yes, there's something here, actually, that I thought I was going to have to keep to myself, but now actually have a real connection there, and it's great, and we... Anyway, awesome. Birds. Talk to me about birds later on. Or Dan. That'd be great. You have those moments where you connect deeply with someone else because of some kind of shared uh, commonality, something you hold in common. And those moments can give rise to all sorts of unexpected connections. The thing is, our Jesus-shaped longing for one another will mean that among our sisters and brothers, we'll always be open to making new and unexpected deep connections, precisely because there's one fundamental thing that we all share in common. We all share our longing for deeper and deeper connection with Jesus. Uh, Following Jesus will look different for each of us, of course, and part of the joy of deep connection with other Christians, actually, is learning the particular texture of one another's discipleship, of learning what the particular challenges are in following Jesus for one another, the particular joys, and learning from each other in that, actually, as we see uh, your particular experience might be different to mine, but it reveals something to me of what Jesus is like and encourages me in my own walk as well. An openness to uh, unexpected uh, Jesus-shaped connections like that will mean an openness to listening well to one another and to making space for sisters and brothers with whom we might not have much in common in worldly terms, but with whom we have everything in common in the Lord Jesus. That's the first way that these kind of Jesus-shaped longings might change us. Uh, Secondly, uh, the second thing it will do for you is that uh, you'll welcome conflict with these connections. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, As a Christian writer from the 12th century, Aylred of Raveau, which I am almost certainly mispronouncing, uh, he wrote a book in which he claimed that there were three types of friendship. Uh, carnal friendship, worldly friendship, and spiritual friendship. Uh, Each type of friendship, uh, according to his kind of scheme, uh, has a different goal to it. Uh, Carnal friendship has pleasure as its goal, uh, enjoying one another's company or some kind of shared interest or activity. Uh, Worldly friendship has some kind of mutual benefit as its goal. Spiritual friendship has becoming more like our Lord Jesus as its goal. Uh, There'll probably be elements of each of those in our relationships with one another to greater and lesser degrees. They're all good things. They're all gifts from God. Our friendship and connection in that way is always a good thing. But the example of Paul and the Thessalonians is that we've got to make sure that in our connections with our sisters and brothers, that aspect of spiritual friendship is a genuine part of what it is that we do in the connections that we make. Uh, And it's actually uh, right at that point that conflict comes in. Uh, You see, Paul's longing is to see the Thessalonians connect deeper and deeper with Jesus. And in fact, he wants to see them face to face, uh, he says, chapter 3, verse 10. He wants to see them face to face so that he can restore what is lacking in their faith. Uh, Now, pay attention to what he's saying here. Uh, It sounds kind of, you know, nice and kind of, you know, Christian-y kind of language in some sense. But uh, there's something kind of jerkish about that, actually. Uh, That word there that we have uh, translated uh, as lacking... Uh, kind of refers to uh, a deficiency or a shortcoming. It refers to not having uh, enough of something or not actually doing something the right way. Uh, Paul's effectively saying to the Thessalonians, I want to come and see you face to face so I can tell you your shortcomings. I want to come and see you face to face so I can show you where you're wrong. Uh, That's a, a certain way, isn't it, to inject some conflict into the friendship right there. 
But you see, what Paul's talking about here is a conflict that has a goal. You see, Paul's prayer in chapter 3, verse 13, is that the Thessalonians would have their hearts, uh, that have their hearts strengthened in holiness, that they would be blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Uh, there's a, a kind of conflict here, but it's a conflict driven by love. And the goal of that love to see his friends connected more and more deeply to Jesus is what balances out that kind of stickiness and gooiness in their connection. Uh, It's not just that my entire life is wrapped up with all the ups and downs of your life, that when you're down, I'm in exactly the same place and down, when you're up, I'm in exactly the same place and up. No, that might actually be too connected. No, you see, that deep stickiness and gooiness is balanced by a clear vision of what is good for our sisters and brothers, for their connection with Jesus, and for actually doing whatever it is that we need to do to help them to grow in that way, even when it means conflict. Uh, It sounds pretty painful, right? Uh, Oscar Wilde, uh, playwright and wit that he was, uh, wrote that a true friend is someone who stabs you in the front. That's a bit kind of what this sounds like, right? Uh, That actually Paul's going, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to show you where you're you're falling short. Great, thanks, that got me right here and I can see it sticking out out of me there still and actually that really hurt. Uh, But you see, that's actually the kind of deep connection that we need if we're going to become more like Jesus. We need our sisters and brothers to be able to see things that we might not see about ourselves, to help us actually to go deeper and deeper in our connection with Jesus. Uh, Proverbs puts it much better than Oscar Wilde, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, In Proverbs 27 we read, uh, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, You see, that's what we need. We need wounds from our friends, actually. We need wounds from people who are on for our connection with Jesus, who long as they long for us to see us connect to Jesus more and to do whatever they can in their power to help us get there. And so connection tip number three is to invite conflict, uh, to make and take opportunities to care about one another's growing in holiness. Um, Now, it's important to say, uh, I didn't say this this morning, and someone was a little bit kind of Uh, taken aback by me saying we should have more conflict with each other. Uh, This is not a judgmental thing. We're all in the same boat, right? This is about not just actually saying to other people, hey, look, I think there might be some work for you to do in this particular area of your following Jesus. We're to invite that for ourselves as well, right? We're all in the same place before Jesus. We are to come humbly as fellow forgiven sinners to one another uh, and to just kind of observe in relationship together areas where there might be room for growth for us. Uh, this person I was talking to this morning uh, really helpfully said um, it might be less about just walking up to someone and saying, here's what's, what, what you're wrong about, here's what's wrong with you, that's not what we're on for. It might be more about actually workshopping, that you come to someone, to your friend, to your sister and brother and say, hey, look, I've, just, I've noticed this thing that's going on and I might be wrong, you might be really aware of this already, you might know it's going on in your heart, but let's talk about this together, actually. Let's work on this together and see how together we might become more and more like Jesus. So you want to invite conflict, but of course you want to do that in a a Jesus-shaped, gracious way and to invite others to speak into your own life in that way as well. Uh, Now, of course, all of this is hard. Uh, Even the kind of sticky, gooey stuff is hard, let alone the conflict. There are all kinds of reasons to hold back from this kind of deep connection with each other, even though we long for it. Uh, We've got issues around vulnerability and opening up. We've got past hurts from relationships. We've got that fear of rejection, uh, the difficulty of the differences that we find with those around us. And all of those things encourage us to hold one another at arm's length, actually, instead of seeking those deeper connections. So we need to know where it is that we can find the courage to pursue our longings for connection with one another and with God. 
Uh, and so we're going to think a little bit about that, uh, how it is that we can have the courage to pursue those longings. Uh, you see, in the end, perhaps the thing that ki- will kill a close relationship most quickly uh, is trying to find too much of what you long for in one person or in one relationship. We can put so much of our longing for acceptance uh, and validation and for someone else to, to love us as we are into one person or one community that the pressure actually just becomes too much and the relationship either breaks down or you break down. Uh, a Christian writer by the name of uh, Henry Nouwen had an experience just like that uh, in which he invested uh, far too much of his longing for connection in one particular friendship and it fell apart, actually. That friendship broke because his friend couldn't bear the weight of all of that. Uh, Here's what he writes that God taught him through that experience. Uh, He writes, No friend, no lover, no husband or wife, no community or commune will be able to put to rest our deepest cravings for unity and wholeness. And by burdening others with those divine expectations of which we ourselves are only partially aware, we might inhibit the expression of free friendship and invoke instead feelings of inadequacy and weakness. He goes on, It's sad to see how sometimes people suffering from loneliness, often deepened by the lack of affection in their immediate family circle, search for a final solution for their pains and look at a new friend or a new lover or a new community with messianic expectations. You see, what he learned through his broken friendship was that no friend, no lover, no community can take enough of your longing for connection in order to save you. No one person, no one community can bear enough of what it is that you need in terms of connection to take all the weight of that. Uh, Almost. That's almost true. Because there is, of course, one person who does exactly that. Uh, Our Lord Jesus, the night before he died, met with his closest companions, with uh, the 12 who he'd travelled with all throughout his ministry, uh, his close friends, his uh, companions, through all the ups and downs of his experience of uh, taking the good news of the kingdom out into Israel and beyond. And the night before he died, uh, you can read it in John chapter 15, he said this to them, he said, No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He goes on, I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends, because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. And he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. You see, we have one friend who bears all the weight of our longing. A friend who was a friend to us even before we knew that we needed him as a friend. A friend who chose us even as we rejected his offer of friendship. You see, when Paul couldn't bear the weight of his longing to renew his connection with the Thessalonians any longer, he sent Timothy to them. And when God could bear it no longer, he sent Jesus. You see, God longs to be connected to you. God has made you to be in relationship with him. God wants you to be as connected with him as he is with uh, Jesus and with the Spirit. God wants you to experience the full depths of all those relational longings that you have. One of the great refrains of the Bible is God saying, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will be with you. He made you and loves you and longs to be fully present with you. Now when Paul sent Timothy, uh, Timothy was received with joy and returned to Paul with joy. But when God sent Jesus, he was rejected by those to whom he came and rejected even by God in our place. 
Uh, Jesus was rejected even by those close friends he met with on the night before he died. He was abandoned in his hour of greatest need. He was betrayed to death by a man he loved dearly. You see, all those fears that we have that keep us from pursuing the deep connections that we long for, Jesus has endured them for us. And he has endured the deepest rejection of all, the rejection of the Father that he had known and loved from all eternity. Jesus endured all the relational rejection that you and I deserve so that we might be free to pursue connection with God and with each other. You see, the only way in the end to pursue those deep longings that we have for connection is uh, to be the one who makes the first move, to be the kind of person who's open to those connections. The way to, to have good friends, the way to have good connections is to be a good friend in the first place. But gosh, that's a hard thing to do. Gosh, we have so many fears, so many vulnerabilities that stop us from being those kinds of people. But if you get this, if you get into your heart what Jesus has done for you, what he has endured for you in your place, if you get how deeply the Father longs to be connected to you and what he's done to satisfy that longing in Jesus, then you can be someone who takes relational risks in order to pursue those deep connections with one another. If you get into your heart the rejection that Jesus has faced for you, then instead of lamenting how terrible it is that such and such hasn't invited you around for a meal, You'll be the kind of person who can take uh, upon yourself the initiative to open up your home and your life and your heart to others and just see what happens. If you get what God has done to pursue connection with you, then you'll find the courage to pursue those sticky, gooey, conflict-filled connections that will help you and your sisters and brothers to connect deeper and deeper with the Lord Jesus. That's the kind of connection we need. We need that deep connection that God has held out to us in Jesus. We need to see how he can shape our hearts and give us the joy and peace of knowing our connection to him so that we can reach out and pursue those connections we long for with others. Let's pray that God would help us to do just that. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you long to be with us, that you long to be near us, that you long to be connected to us. And we thank you that you've done something about that in our Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that in him you've drawn close to us that in him all of our fears have been dealt with, that all of those ways in which we've put uh, other things between us and our connection with you and with others, that they've been taken by him on his cross. So that through him, as he faces rejection, we might instead find friendship with you. Heavenly Father, draw us near to you and drive deep and deep into our hearts uh, that love that you've shown for us in the Lord Jesus, that connection you've won for us in him so that we might be people who can love and connect with others in the same way that you have with us in Jesus. Do this work in us, in our hearts, by your spirit, we pray, so that we might be able to be for others what Jesus has been for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen.